God speaking this morning. I'm thankful for a word of the word of God that it's infallible. There's no error in it. I'm thankful that it's alive this morning. Isaiah 28, 11, pastor's text this morning. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11, for with stammering lips and another, and another tongue will he speak to his people. I'll read it one more time. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, speak to us today. Bless our pastor, Lord, with a liberty this morning. Give him power, a boldness, and authority through you, Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the name of the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. And I'm excited about preaching the word of the Lord this morning. A matter of fact, it's going to be a different un, kind of unusual type of message than what I normally preach. But I was prepared this week, preparing throughout the week. And I finally got my sermon done. And even I thought, man, I got Saturday off. I got it done early and went through it. And man, I said, man, this is a good message. Lord, I thank you for giving me a good message. And it was really feeding me and it was uplifting me. And last night about 8.30, the Lord began to deal with me to switch my message. I said, Lord, this ain't fair. You know, sometimes the Lord just, you think, what are you doing this for? So I'm kind of preaching out of faith here this morning because it was about 8.30 until about midnight, then it turned into 9.30 because we lost an hour. And I thought, God, you ain't giving me time. And it's just like the Lord says, you know these scriptures and you know the word of God and you know it and I preach it. And you know what, there's one thing that I know that is all in common. We all have difficulties. We all have mountains. We're facing some hefty mountains in our congregation. We got a lot of people that are battling for their lives, battling for uh, their finances, battling for their children mainly. And um, our, our, our culture is going down the tubes. And we need a revival. We need an awakening in our land, no doubt about it. We've been praying for that for years. On Wednesday nights, we've gave it up on just for a solid prayer for our nation and for our leaders and that God would bring us an awakening. And we believe that we're making a difference. But if there's one thing that I do know, with everything that these men have already said, and that is that there's one thing that can take care of everything that we need, it's nothing more than God's presence. Nothing more that, guys, I want to tell you, if you're going to overcome, you got to get into his presence. If you're going to be able to overcome, you got to not only get in his presence, but you got to live in his presence. you got to walk in his presence. Can I have an amen? we got to be led by the Spirit of God. We have to have the Holy Spirit. We have to be a spiritual church. In order to be able to overcome, you got to overcome by the Spirit, by the Spirit by the Spirit. So we're going to be talking about that today. Our text again, just in Isaiah 28 and 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak unto this people. I want to talk to you about the doctrine of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, and that is uh, the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is our ninth doctrinal statement in our declaration of faith in the Church of God. I had to memorize it as a young boy, and I've memorized those doctrinal commitments. Uh, it is one of the most attacked, ridiculed and fastly uh, becoming one of the most unbelieved doctrines that we have within Pentecostalism. There are many ch Christians who hold to the belief that one may experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit without ever speaking in tongues. Yet we Pentecostals hold to the belief that speaking
speaking in tongues is the outward auditorial visible evidence that the believer has been given a new spiritual experience, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are 644 million Pentecostal and charismatic believers that believe that. I remember as a young boy, even in my age and even earlier than I, before I was ever born, Pentecostalism wasn't that, you know, it wasn't very popular. It was those churches across the street in the poor area of the town that everybody made fun of. They made fun of us, but there's 644 million of us right now who's holding true to the true doctrine of the Word of God. Can I? Are you happy to be Pentecostal here today? I want you to know, hallelujah. There are many, you know, I can remember those days when the Spirit of God would move across congregations and things would happen and miracles would happen. And though they, they would ridicule us when they had trouble, here they come because they knew we had the answer. Can I have an amen? And you know, I don't care how how far you feel left out or how far how far uh, uh, that you feel like that that you don't you don't belong that you don't have any place. You got a place in the kingdom of God, and you got a place when the Spirit of God comes upon you to do something good for the glory of the Lord. But there are many that are saying that there is a definite second work of grace where the believer is what we call baptized in the Holy Spirit, but yet they deny the speaking with other tongues. And the reason for them not being able to deny that there's a work of the Holy Spirit that happens in the life of the believer beyond salvation is because the Scripture, the Bible, the Word, the final authority begins to reveal it all throughout the Scripture. Many see the work that they want, many see the work, but they want to deny the tongues because they don't want to be labeled as Pentecostal. Call me whatever you want to call me, but I'm spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-believed, spirit-filled believer. Can I have an amen in the house of the Lord? I want you to know there's nothing wrong with being called Pentecost. There's nothing wrong for being a Pentecostal charismatic church. There are prominent leaders on all denominations now that are coming to an awareness, and they've changed their doctrine somewhat in my lifetime. There's Catholics, there's Presbyterian, there's Lutheran, there's all kinds of different denominations that have changed their views on the work of the Holy Spirit outside and separate from that of salvation. And they have come to believe that and even teach in their teachings the difference in the Holy Spirit at salvation and in regeneration than that of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They, they have to admit that there's a separate work of the Holy Spirit outside of salvation that happens in a believer's life. How many believes that here today? When you get saved, that's just the beginning of the Lord's working with you. Hallelujah. There's much, much more. There's the promise of what we call the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm about to preach here today. The only difference in their teaching and ours is that they deny the tongues as the initial evidence. They deny the tongues because it's easy to say that one has been filled and has accepted of the Holy Spirit without really receiving the Holy Spirit. It's an easy kind of way out. I remember as a young boy, you'd go down to the altar and they'd tell you, hang on. And you'd say, okay, what does that mean? They'd say, turn loose. And I'd say, okay, what does that mean? And they would wrestle you. And you know, them old saints meant well and they were leading you, but they would encourage you. They would be like bulldog. And you'd try to get up and those fingers would kind of press you in the back and push you back down. And you'd sit there and think, Lord, are they going to let me up? And you'd pray and all of a sudden something would begin to happen. All of a sudden something would begin to stir. Them old saints knew that you're not going to get it playing paddle with 
God. They knew that when you got down there that you had to get serious with him, that you had to want to really long for it. And I just got one time down there to where they kept pressing and pressing, saying they're not going to let me up till I'm filled, so I better get serious about this thing. And I got serious about that thing. And about 1 o'clock in the morning, the baptism of the Holy Spirit hit me in a revival. I want to tell you the baptism of the Holy Spirit is real, my friend. Can I have an amen here today? Amen. I will be the first one to admit that all that speak in tongues is not necessarily filled with the Holy Spirit, but I also will say if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you've spoken tongues. It is overwhelmingly true that there has been and is segments in Pentecost where there's abuses and there's people that are false and there's people that are fake. There's people that's not genuine. There's people that are misled. There are people that just misunderstand for many different reasons of what we realize that there is tongues that is not of God, whether it be a lack of teaching, whether it be out of emotion, whether it be out of false pretense or just plain old hypocrisy, yet we must also realize that just because there's been some abuses and just because there's been some problems in Pentecost, we should never doubt or reject the realness and the genuineness of the Spirit. In order, to, in order, if there is a counterfeit, then there has to be a genuine somewhere. Can I have an amen? And you know, even in salvation, we see hypocrites all the time. They claim to be saved, but they're not saved, but we don't throw salvation out the window. Can I have an amen? And you and I, though we've seen some abuses in our Pentecostal services around the globe, yet on the other hand, while we've seen those abuses, we've seen the real power of God come upon congregations and God do mighty and wonderful things. We do not believe that speaking in tongues is the initial evidence. What we do believe is we believe that speaking in tongues while the Spirit gives the utterance is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not here today to preach on you on the topic of tongues or interpretation of tongues or, or even the diversity of tongues. There's many different kinds of tongues in the scripture that we could dissect and teach on. But I'm preaching without apology that the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking with other tongues. We just simply preach and teach that one cannot be trained and taught or motivated to speak in tongues by a man, but it must come by the Spirit's utterance. It is a spiritual experience. It has to come from the Spirit and not by the prompting of a man or from a classroom setting. This does not mean that we can't aid or that we can't lead or that we can't direct or we can't guide or that we can't encourage someone around an altar and press with them and believe with them and give them help throughout their seeking, but then when it comes comes down to the final infilling, it'll be they will be filled by the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, I cannot fill you with the Holy Spirit. It is not my job to fill you with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after I, who's mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not even worthy of, he's the one that's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus is the one that will baptize you. He's 
the one that will give you that fresh experience. In order to have this experience, one has to experience the Spirit himself. The key is to seek the Spirit, to seek the presence of God. The number one contributing factor uh, why the people are not receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the 21st century is because the church has lost its spiritual hunger and its spiritual power, power and its spiritual thirst, and they've quit seeking. When I was a little boy, they sought the Lord before the service began, and they sought the Lord when the service was over, and they sought the Lord in the middle of the service. They sought the presence of God. They came early to pray, and when the service was over, they lingered and prayed. And I want to tell you, there's a difference in a hungry people. I'm here to declare on the church here at the, at the Palace of Praise, it's time to get hungry. It's time to revisit the old path. We've done everything trying to come up with a new solution and try to find a, a new way of being filled with the Spirit and blessed by the Spirit. But I want to tell you, if we're going to be filled with the Spirit and blessed by the Spirit, we got to get a hunger for the presence of God like we never have before and seek Him with all of our heart and with all of our desire and with all of our, our, our mind, body, soul, and strength. And God will fill us with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Luke 11, verse 9 through 13, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given. You seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened for everyone that asketh. He receiveth to him that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. And if a son shall ask bread of any of you of a father in the place of the bread, will you give him a stone? He said, if you ask for a, if he asks for a fish in the place of a fish, are you going to give him a serpent? He says, if he asks for an egg in the place of an egg, are you going to give a scorpion? He said, absolutely not, you won't. He said, you being evil that know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will he give the Holy Ghost to them that ask? And I'm here to tell you today that all you got to do in order to receive the Holy Spirit is begin to seek for him. Ask for him. It's for the asker. It's a promise of the Father. One caution that we need to hear, and that is that one can have a spiritual experience with the Holy Spirit and still not be filled with the Holy Ghost. People get misunderstood in that. I believe that the initial evidence is more than just an experience but it is an actual event that takes place in order to establish witness of the receiving of that gift. Many people draw conclusions that they have been filled with the Holy Spirit simply by having an experience or an encounter with the Holy Ghost. It's dangerous to interpret the, the impartation or the receiving of a spiritual gift by just mere experience. We are commanded by Scripture not to be led by our feelings, not to be led by emotions or experiences, but by the Scripture, by faith, and by the Word. And just because one has been slain in the Spirit, or they dance in the Spirit, or they cry in the Spirit, or they're healed by the Spirit, does not necessarily mean that that person has been filled with the Holy Spirit. It means that the Holy Spirit's operating among them. The Holy Spirit is working with them. The Holy Spirit is blessing them. The Holy Spirit is touching them. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're filled with that wonderful gift that God wants to fill you with. There are many experiences that we can have of the Spirit without being filled with the Holy Ghost. There are many manifestations or outward evidences that the Spirit is upon us and he's with us and he's touching us. But speaking in tongues is more than an outward manifestation 
or, or evidence of the Spirit's dwelling, but it is also an inward evidence. Tongues is an outward evidence of an inward work of the Holy Spirit. There are many outward manifestations that establishes that the Holy Spirit is among us, with us, and doing a work around us, but there is only one inward evidence that establishes witness and identity of us receiving that precious gift, which is tongues. And I, it's important. I'll, hang with me. I'm building a sermon. You might ask the question, why tongues? Well, I don't know why God chose that, but it's scriptural. In order to understand this doctrine, we must understand the word initial. The word initial means first. Tongues will be the first physical inward that will become outward evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it should not and will not be the only evidence. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. I want to tell you, wherever and with whomever the Holy Spirit is working in or with, the fruits of the Spirit will follow. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit will be following those tongues. Can I have an amen? Those that are filled with the Holy Spirit by speaking in tongues only, but they're mean and they're carnal and they're harsh and they're judgmental and their self-righteousness, they are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Can I have an amen? You see, tongues is just the first evidence of his dwelling in the life of the believer that has experienced this wonderful gift, but it's not the only evidence of the dwelling. Jesus Christ himself said that when the Holy Ghost would come to dwell in the life of the believer, that he, Jesus, would testify of his indwelling. Look at John chapter 15, verse 26 and 27. But when the Comforter is come, the Holy Ghost, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the very beginning. I want you to catch some key words here. Two things is going to happen as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one, you will be a witness for Jesus Christ. Number two, the Spirit will testify of his indwelling inside of you. The Spirit shall testify, according to John 15, 26, of his indwelling. The Greek word for testify in this passage of Scripture means the same as it would in our English language today. It means to bear witness, to give a report, to give a testimony, to show evidence by make a solemn declaration of what is personally known or held to be true. It means to speak or to cry aloud. So when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he's gonna testify how's he gonna do it. To testify as a witness to vocal utterances, a voice is necessary. And the scripture reveals to us that when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then he will testify, speak, or witness of his indwelling inside of me. Isaiah himself prophesied this in our text in Isaiah 28 and 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak unto this people. Isaiah would not have prophesied this if it wasn't for all people, number one, and if it were not the initial evidence that God would use throughout the church age. Isaiah did not prophesy about any other outward manifestation of the Holy Spirit, but he did bring our attention and cause our focus to be on the other 
tongues and the stammering lips. One of the reasons that tongues has been chosen to be the initial evidence is because of Matthew 18, 16. For out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything shall be established. This is why that believers speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. The Spirit speaks through the believer of his indwelling through tongues. When I speak in tongues, it's evidence that the Holy Spirit is living. It's the Holy Spirit testifying, I'm in that vessel. Can I have an amen? The believer uses his tongue, his speech, his mouth, his vocal cords, and he cooperates and yields to the Spirit. And when the Spirit gives utterance, he speaks the things that God wants him to speak, and it's in the area of tongues. He testifies and witnesses then, therefore, of his indwelling. Can you give the Lord praise? And then he brings witness. God's spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Even salvation has to be established by confession and testimony and by witness. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9 and 10, for if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made into what? Salvation. So we have to literally confess Jesus Christ with our vocal cords, with our mouth. We got to make a confession in order to be saved. Well, even so, our vocal cords have to yield to the Holy Spirit as he gives us utterance in order for the witness of the Spirit to witness and to testify of his indwelling in us in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Can I have an Amen. Now let's go to the scripture and let the scripture bear witness to everything that we have set up here in our introduction. It really doesn't matter what I think. It don't matter what the church of God thinks. It don't even really matter what you think. The scripture is the final authority in every matter. Can I have an amen? Let's go to the beginning. Let's go to the day of Pentecost. Let's go to the day of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter two, starting with verse one, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all gathered in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them clothed in tongues as a fire that set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. How did the Holy Spirit come, and what was the evidence of his indwelling? And there appeared unto them clothed in tongues of fire, it set upon on each of them, and they were all, say all, were filled, say filled, with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. Now, notice something. We see that there were other, other evidences of his dwelling. There was the rushing mighty wind. There was the sound from heaven. We, they were there in this scripture. There may be different outward displays and manifestation of the Spirit in any given service, and there may be different human responses to the Holy Spirit and his outward manifestations, and people even may be filled differently in the way that they respond to the Holy Spirit. But tongues was the only inward evidence seen at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and each and every one of them, every one of them, 120 of them, spoke those tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. 
And even though there may be different outward manifestations of the Spirit and many different responses to how people respond to that Spirit, yet the inward witness will always be the same. People will speak in tongues when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? Can, you, can I have someone give me a witness that they believe what I'm preaching? Nowhere else in Scripture do we see the Russian mighty wind ever occurring. You don't hear the sound from heaven anymore appearing, but tongues go on and on and on all throughout the Scripture. All these 120 were filled with the Holy Spirit and it affected each of them in a different way. They all spoke in tongues. They all, they all uh, obeyed and yielded as the Spirit gave them the utterance. But I'm sure that the response was totally different. I'm sure that some laughed. I'm some that sure some cried. I'm sure that some sat, remained quiet. I think some danced. I think some shouted. I think some just, uh, I think that whole room was tore upside down, inside out with multiple different kinds of outward expressions. And I'm here to tell you, when the Holy Spirit comes, this one will cry, that one will laugh, that one will shout, that one will dance, that one will just sit there quiet and soak it in. Everybody's personality reacts different to the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, in order to get filled with the Holy Ghost, if, if, if you're not careful, you want everybody to be filled with the Holy Ghost the same way you were. And that's the problem of when we get doctrines. We try to make our experience doctrine, and it's not doctrine. If you got the Holy Spirit the way I got the Holy Spirit, you got to stay at an altar for a whole week and every night during a revival praying, and finally at almost 1 o'clock one night after rolling the floor for about two hours and snot everywhere and, and, and me weeping and crying and moaning and groaning and thought I was going to die. Finally, at about 1 o'clock, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. How many want that experience in order for it to be the initial evidence? Come on, somebody. And people mean well, and they go down and they try to pray you through the way they prayed through. But the problem of it is you got to let the individual be themselves and let their own personality connect with God. And when God connects with a certain personality, you don't have to worry about it. God will fill them with the Holy Ghost. There was a man, I've told this story before, but I think it's worthy of telling. He's a very shy, kind of a quiet, you know, one of those type of guys. He just sits and he's not... Uh, uh, he's not got a singing personality or a choric personality. He's more kind of melancholy and he kind of sits in the background. He's a peaceful phlegmatic. He, he, he really don't like to be noticed. And he'd go up and pray around the altars and the saints would gather around him. Oh, God, fill him with the Holy Ghost. God, fill him with the Holy Ghost. This went on for years. Finally, one day the pastor got down and thought, man, we got, I got to find out what's wrong with this. This guy sought so much. And he got down and he put his knee to the ground and when he did, he started to pray for him and he heard him just lightly speaking in tongues. He just got back up and said, Woo, our brother got filled with the Holy Ghost. And when the service was over, he said, congratulations. He said, oh, I've had the Holy Ghost for years. He said, well, what in the world didn't you tell us? All these people said, I just figured they needed the prayer and I needed the prayer and they needed the practice. Can I have an Amen. We want to judge the Holy Spirit as some kind of big ball of energy or power, and he can be that way. But the very first movement of the Holy Spirit wasn't that way. The Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was not formed of void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved. 
across the face of the waters. And that word move there in the Hebrew is gently, calmly, softly. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I like those services where we're walking the back of the pews and we're dancing and we're shouting, but there's times that he just settles in. There's... There's just times that the presence of God can just be so sweet. It's almost like a romance. Come on, somebody. I'm not, I'm not trying to cheapen the experience of the Holy Spirit, but the only way that I know, he can become so intimate with you. He can come down and sit by you and make you feel like you're on a date with him. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. He'll caress you. He'll love you. He'll, he'll, he'll grab a hold of you and he'll melt your heart. Come on, he'll draw you into his desire and he'll make affectionate love with you. He'll, he'll give you some of the greatest love that there is on the planet Earth is called an agape love. We need the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, help me preach right here. Notice that tongues was also evidence to the Jews in all of Jerusalem that the Spirit had come. That's how they knew he came. It was not the Russian mighty wind. You don't even hear the Jews talking about that. You don't hear the Jews saying, what was that sound? Did you hear that sound from heaven? They don't even mention it. But it was the tongues that convinced the Jews that all of Jerusalem, and all of Jerusalem, that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what the tongues was? It was evidence that Jesus made it to the throne room of God and put the blood on the mercy seat. <laughs> How do I know that? Because Jesus says it's expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, that comfort of that Holy Ghost will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And he said, and if I send him to you, he, he said, and, and then he said, I'm going to pray to the Father and he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him because he's with you right now. But here's just in a few short days, he's going to be in you. Hallelujah. And by Jesus making that statement of him saying, it's expedient that I go away, for if I go away, that comfort will to come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. When Jesus made it to heaven to be our high priest, that means he went into the holies of holy, carrying his blood, and when he got there and he placed it upon the mercy seat and says it's finished, guess what happened? Oh, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, and when that happened, it was evidence that my master, my savior, Jesus Christ, my redeemer made it, and now I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who's the perpetuation for my sin, and not only my sin, but for the sins of the whole world. Oh, hallelujah. Then listen what happens. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem. This, they get in the upper room. They speak in tongues. They're driven out in the streets, speaking in those tongues. I don't know why it don't happen anymore, but I don't know how many times on Ninth and Cedar when we were over there and a few times even here, when, as I was a boy, it used to happen quite frequently. People would go home speaking in tongues. They couldn't stop. I'll be honest. I've worked prayer lines before, being an altar worker, have to get up and go to the factory the next morning to go to work. I think, boy, 
God, I wish you'd bless them and get it over with. I gotta get up and go to work tomorrow. You're wore out. Have you ever wallowed those people? Am I the only ones who experienced this kind of stuff? And the only ones had that carnal attitude a little bit, have to repent over it? And I've seen them lift them kids up and they're staggering at the youth camp especially. I had a group of kids and I was a counselor at youth camp. Man, they got in the altars that night on a Thursday, a Wednesday night it was. Man, them kids got on fire. One of the boys got baptized in the Holy Spirit and he come back. That's all he wanted to talk about. And I'd call his name, I'd say, go to sleep. And he'd say, you'd hear him say, oh man, it was great, it was real, huh? And all of a sudden, right there in that dorm, about 2.30 in the morning, all of a sudden, they're breaking out. Bed to bed, bed to bed. This one started getting blessed, and this other little boy gets over there, and he's laying hands on them, and all of a sudden, this one's getting filled with the Holy Ghost, and they go over to the next. Finally, I get up, and I'm in there, and here comes the whole camp counselor, the, the camp coordinator. Why in the world? Because, buddy, at a certain time, lots of guys, he could, why in the world? Oh, I'm sorry, and then he fell into it. And before long, we had half of the boys in all the dorms over there getting filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. I remember another youth camp where I took a bunch of kids to youth camp. We had an old 1970-some model GMC van, and it smoked like a tar kill, man. It used oil. You had to have about three or four quarts of oil to go up to, up to youth camp and back. And we got all them kids piled in there, and I'm driving that thing. had a steering wheel about this big around. And I'm driving that thing, no air conditioner. The wind is down. The kids are hot. And we're coming back from youth camp. We get about to Cherokee Pass, and the Holy Ghost breaks out on our kids. They got to speaking in tongues, and before I get to Greenville, I got to pull over. I'm bawling my eyes out, and I can't see to drive. And right there, we get out on the side of the highway, and we're having a Holy Ghost tantrum because the Spirit of God fell right there in a van down 67 Highway. I'm here to tell you that we've lost the passion and the desire, and as a result of it, we're not seeing the outpourings of the Holy Spirit like we used to in the days of old. I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Oh, there's a stir, there's something inside of me that wants a real authentic Pentecost move in the house of God. I don't want it to be something watered down. I don't want to hope so. I don't want, so, I think so. I want to know so. The Holy Ghost is here. Would you stand and lift your hand and praise the Lord for a moment? Ah, hallelujah, Holy Spirit, have your way. I got a lot more to preach, but I don't care if the Holy Ghost breaks out right now. Lord, we praise you. God, bring us into Pentecost. 
Acts 2, you may be seated. Holy Ghost, have your way. Don't let me get in the way. Holy Ghost, have your way. There were devout men dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews out of every nation and under heaven. These people get out and they begin to speak in tongues coming out of the upper room. It says, and with these noise abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded, say confounded. I'm ready for some congregations to be confounded. Amen, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. They were amazed and marveled. I want some people to be amazed. I want some people to marvel. Aren't you ready for the church once again have that spontaneity of the Holy Spirit where it becomes mysterious in nature where you don't know what's gonna happen? And people, instead of coming in and flopping down on the seat, they run to the front seat because they don't wanna miss what's happening. Man, I'm about to preach. They'll put up a good show and everybody will wanna get in there and get a good seat. They go to the ball game. We don't want to sit high in the bleachers. We can't see. We feel disconnected. We feel not apart. We want to get down there where we can see the action and be feel it and experience it. Don't you want to see that kind of hunger return back to the house of God? How many want to see that? I expect to see some shifting in positions next week. I gotta get hungry, I gotta get up there before anybody else. Revival breaks out and they have to camp outside of the people trying to get in to get close enough. But normal church services, we just take it for granted, we're so passive. We just come in and flop down, bless me if you can, Lord. I'm here. We're not gonna get anywhere like that. The people marveled. <laughs> Man, I'm chasing rabbits, I gotta hurry. And they wondered. They said, the wonderful works of God, but others mocked. Oh, there's always people that'll mock revival. There's always those that'll fight and oppose it. Don't, don't, don't pay no attention to them. There'll be those that'll put that negative in your ear. Man, there, there are people just tearing this revival apart over there in Kentucky, and they were asked, have you been there? No, but I can tell from a four-off. Nonsense. They'll be the mockers and the ridiculers. But Peter stood up with 11 and said, hey, these are not drunk as you suppose. The, the mockers says, these men, there ain't nothing to marvel about. There's nothing wonder or mysterious about. They're drunk. They've been drinking. So you know what was taking place in the service? I can tell you. Be not drunk with wine, wine is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. There was a spiritual intoxication upon that bunch of people. And the mocker said, what are you stupid people doing? Instead of marveling, these people are drunk. 
But Peter stood up with 11 and sees these are not drunk as you suppose. Seeing it's only the third hour of the day, they haven't had time to get drunk. But this is that which the prophet Joel spoke about. That in the last days, saith God, I'd pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters a prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and upon my handmaids I'll pour my spirit out. Ah, somebody stand and give the Lord a shout. Spirit have your way. I could take you through the book, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 10, and I can show you every place that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues, or they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Come on. I was going to wade you through those scriptures to clarify any doubt that you may have. It is the authoritative word of God that has decreed this. We need the freshness of the visitation of the Holy Spirit. And I feel like the Holy Spirit says, I have bathed this nation before in my presence. I have cleansed it from, uh, from, from within and from without. But this nation has walked away from me. But I'm willing to cleanse it again by my Holy Spirit and fire. I am going to come as a fuller soap and I'm gonna wash the saints and I'm gonna set ablaze again the fire of the Holy Spirit. There are some of you, he's saying, that have the embers, the coals, but they've gone awful cold. He said, I got a fan in my hand and I'm gonna come and I'm gonna flame the fire. Uh, uh, smoking flax and a, and, a, and a hot ember I'm not going to despise. I'm gonna come by and I'm gonna flame it. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fan it and I'm gonna cause it to flame again. And those of you that have never received 
receive the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to visit you and I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit and you shall speak with other tongues and my witness shall be upon you. Right now, I want everybody in this building to stand. And those of you that are hungry for a new touch, maybe you're the one that's got those embering coals that's just about to go out and you go to an old campfire that's two or three days old and you rake and you rake, but there'll be a few hot coals down there. And I want to tell you, you get a fan in your hand, put a little wood on it, and you can flame that thing up again. That's what God wants to do in your life. And then those of you that are never filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to come up here and God's wanting to fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you're hungry here today and you want to experience, come and seek the Lord. Come and seek the Lord earnestly right now. If you want revival for your nation and for your church, come and seek the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the outpouring. We need the nine gifts of the Spirit in operation. Hallelujah. I need my altar workers to get serious and lay hands upon the people. Hallelujah.